So last week when I first read through the scripture offerings for this Sunday, it's not the first time since we've adopted this practice of following um, the Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney's Year W lectionary. It wasn't the first time that I looked at them and was like, what? What am I going to do with this? That gospel, what, what's going on here? But then as I spent time in the readings and I read the commentary that Will Gaffney provides and did some other research, I thought, she is brilliant for what she has put together. So the the bit we just heard from Mark from the gospel. This is apocalyptic literature. It's not really a literature that I spend much time in, and I don't know culturally that we do either. But 2,000 years ago, it was a type of literature that was floating around. We have the Revelation, according to John, that is the last story in our Bible today. It was one of many of the same sort of thing. And the intention of apocalyptic literature had more to do with encouragement, with building up. It wasn't really intended to instill fear or to scare us into doing the right thing. It was offered as a way of putting some theological framework around the present-day sufferings, the difficulties, the challenges of life. And it was intended to be a message of encouragement to us. Stick with it. Keep close your faith. Lean into God, and God is working toward a good thing. God is working to manifest, to bring about the, the kingdom of God, or the realm of God, or as I, one of my friends says that I love, the economy of God. The economy of God is coming. And I would say today that the economy of God comes with this co-creative process of all of us working together with God to bring about this new way of living. So we have this encouraging gospel that reminds us that life is hard and yet encourages us to stick with it. And then on the other side, we have this story from Genesis. The last few weeks, we've been building up the story of Genesis, these early stories trying to explain the way things are, these creation stories. We heard about the creation of Adam, this creature made from the mud, molded from the dust. God breathes life into this creature. The creature falls asleep, and God removes a side of this creature and creates the woman. And then there's some stuff that happens with the serpent and the tree. Heard about that last week. And so this is is what happens next. Hearing the story in a fresh translation reminds me to listen for what's there and also to listen and recognize what's not there, but what has taken hold in our culture in our art, in our literary expressions over the last thousands of years. The story begins with God walking in the garden in the breeze. 
And the man and the woman, they hear God coming and they hide. They hide because they feel shame in their nakedness. God offers a question. Where are you? There's a back and forth. Adam responds, and, and then God asks another question, and Eve responds. And I just find it interesting. I think, well, if God is this all-knowing figure, then of course God knows where they are. God knows how things are and have been unfolding. What if this question is more of a spiritual invitation God is offering? Where are you? What's going on inside, Adam? Where's your heart? Where is your soul? Where are you? Adam says, I am hiding, because I realized I was naked. God's like, well, how did you realize that? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? And Adam's response, the woman that you gave to me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. And then God addresses the woman and she's like, the, the serpent, he encouraged me to eat. It's the same sort of conversation that I've found myself in both roles. I wonder if any of you have experienced this. I have two young children and I may have had some back and forth conversations. You know, where, where are the cookies? Can only, you can imagine what unfolds after that. But I've also found myself on the other side where I've been asked something, and my instinct is to say, well, but, but like this happened, and then that happened, and then of course I was running late. Where are you? Is that an invitation for Adam in that moment? For Adam to respond, I messed up. Yep. I did exactly what you told me not to do, and I'm sorry. Was that an invitation for Eve to say, yeah, I messed up. You, you put a, a command out there, and I decided to go against it. How would the story unfold differently if those were their responses? Where are you? The story unfolds with God first addressing the serpent and offering the consequences of the serpent's actions to the serpent. Then God addresses the woman and offers the consequences that are going to unfold. And then God addresses Adam, the man, and offers the consequences that are going to unfold. I think oftentimes in our memories, this is connected to, like, the fall. The fall would really describe the, the moment at the fruit with the serpent and the woman. Um, but, but there's no falling in this story. The story also, there's, it's, I think it's been used to curse humanity, to curse women. But actually, in this story, there are two, two things that are cursed. The serpent and the ground. Humanity, we are not cursed. Well, Gaffney points out that what is going on in this story, all of our sacred stories are written by people, 
written by people working with the Holy Spirit, I deeply believe that the Holy Spirit is infused in all of our sacred stories. But people are trying to figure out why things are the way they are. And this story holds why do we suffer in reproducing ourselves? And why do we suffer in feeding ourselves? Life was different thousands of years ago, tilling the ground, the dust, trying to make food happen out of the earth. I don't think many of us have that same experience today. And yet, making a living, providing for ourselves and our families, is still full of struggle and difficulty for most of us. It's not easy. story is trying to help us understand why we are the way we are. There's a Jewish concept, concept of Yetzer HaTov and Yetzer Hara. This idea is that the, the Yetzer HaTov, the Yetzer Hara, is the inclination we have in our hearts toward good, HaTov, or toward evil, Hara. I think the story is offering us, and the, the theology, the Jewish theology comes out of the story, it's offering us this idea that within each of us, there's this tremendous potential for actions that draw us to the good or for actions to draw us toward evil. It's not that we have evil inside of us, but that the consequences of our actions can take us down that way. But also, like in the Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Tov, it's also that space of curiosity. It's that space of wanting to figure things out. It's, a, it's what helps us to write down a story like this, to help one of our ancestors long, long ago write down a story like this to understand why we are the way we are. It's this, this creative spark, really, that drives us to build homes and make families and work jobs and develop really amazing things but also in the development, some not-so-amazing things can happen as well. Just describes how we are. If the Yetzer Hara, if that inclination toward evil were completely removed from us, there's a, a Midrashic story that, like, life just stops. Like, nobody gets out of bed anymore. Like, nobody makes meals anymore. Nobody goes about their day anymore. It's like we just come to this standstill. We need some of that. That's part of the magic of being human. God asks us, where are you? Where is your heart? Where is your soul in the midst of all of this? We are in the midst of the season of Lent, the season of simplicity, the season of fasting, feasting. For me, I think of Lent as a season of peeling back the layers to try to create openness so that I may be receptive to God, so that I may be made more and more ready to receive the miracle of the resurrection that we know is coming. 
For some of us, that may mean giving things up, taking things, shifting the way our life works. For others, it may mean stepping into another practice, taking something on to set this season, this time, in a different light. It's all around this question, where are you? As the church, as the body of Christ, we are we. So I would invite the question, where are we? This week, as I was thinking about this passage, I thought, what sort of stories would be written today to explain the difficulties in our lives or the the joys? What sort of stories would we create to explain the human story today, maybe to explain the stories in our own families? What sort of story are our lives creating? The lectionary pairs the story of, like, who we are in our vulnerability with this encouragement that life is going to continue to be difficult and challenging and hard. The invitation in the apocalyptic stories to, to stick with it, to lean into our faith, our devotion with God. This passage from Genesis, it concludes with God making garments, tending and caring to Adam and Eve, with God nurturing and and providing what is needed as they go off into the world, as they leave this Eden, this garden of ease, and go off into the world with the knowledge of good and evil, with the knowledge of the way things are. But they go in God's care. God provides what they need. May we lean into the encouragement that is laden in these stories. And may we lean into trusting that God is providing.